Thank you very much. Good morning. How are we doing? Are we okay? You can talk in, in church. You can respond um, as long as you don't hackle me. Um, so, but yeah, um, obviously this month, thanks for joining us online. We'll catch up if you're listening in. This month we've been looking at awakening. You know, our themes for the year, we pray about these as a team. We think about them. We don't just pull them out the air. We talk, think about what we're doing for the year and we look at them and um, Sarah brings them some ideas and we discuss as a team and we come up with these themes. So we believe these are important for us as a church. We believe what, what God wants to say to us. And um, so I want to encourage you to listen in. Are you awake this morning? Come on, we're awake this morning. Um, obviously, we've been looking at renewal this year and this month we're looking at awakening. Now, some of you, you may be like this. You may be thinking, well, I've started this year and I'm believing for renewal, but I've not actually seen the renewal I was believing for. Anybody else like that? Or maybe you're believing for family members to come to church or come to Christ and they still haven't come. Anybody else? Or a work colleague or a friend and it's still not happened, but I'm believing for it. Anybody like this? Anybody standing on any promises? Anybody believing the word of God? But you know, sometimes in the promise though, there's often a delay. You got that? And often the promises, in scripture, it's, it's common that there's a delay in the promise. Abraham waits years, 25 years, promised a child 25 years. It's a, it's a pretty long delay. But yeah, but God, you said, I'm believing for this promise to see what you've said. So sometimes there's a delay. Would you agree? And, it's, and it's, when we're early on in the faith, sometimes we hear what God's saying. And God's really gracious to us at, at the beginning. It's a bit like Christmas time. You get all the gifts. You get all the exciting things. And you're all excited in the faith. And God's showing you things. And it's like, wow, wow, wow. And then you get a few years down the line. And you think, where's all the wow, wow, wow's gone? And God's teaching you to grow. He's teaching you to grow up from the wows to the hows. Hey, that's good. I wasn't planning on saying that. You see what I'm saying? I need to work some things out myself rather than rely on a parent who's going to give me all of that. Oh, okay, I've got to grow up and be a parent for others now. So there's a transition from the house to the, from the wows to the house. I like that one. You can have that one. But what does Jesus say when there's a delay? Because I think he's the master, is he not? So I think I want to look this morning what Jesus says. Just as an example, when there's a delay, he's teaching his disciples, this is what I say. What I say, I've written it like this. What did Jesus say? Watch out in the delay. Not watch for the delay. Many of us get stuck into that. I'm looking for the delay. I'm looking for what's going on. No, no, no. We're, we're looking, we're watching when we're in the delay. That's the lesson, okay? If you can take nothing else, take that this morning. I'm to watch in the delay because there will be delay. I'm going to read a scripture. It's from Matthew 25, 1 to 13. It says this, at that time, the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean at that time? He's talking about giving them illustrations what it will be like at the end of time. Okay, we call it end times or future thinking. Biblical word is eschatology, what's going to happen in the, the study of future things. Okay, so at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins. So he's giving them a parable to help them understand will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Now, just to note here, they did actually take some oil. 
So the translation here probably means they didn't take extra oil, because watch. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Delay. Okay? Delay. It was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Hey, they all fell asleep. Not the, not the, not the, not the disciples and spiritual ones who were doing really well. They all fell asleep. The wise fell asleep, and the foolish fell asleep. Okay? None of us get it right, okay? This gives me hope. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Hey, they all woke up. The wise woke up. The foolish woke up. They trimmed their lamps. Not quite sure what that means. Somebody might be able to educate me. I didn't look enough into that. Trimming of lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But while they were, sorry, no, they replied. It doesn't sound very Christian, does it? I thought we were told to share. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. You stingy, wise people. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. I can almost hear my brother when I was younger. Go and get your own. Remember that phrase, get your own. Well, mum says... Go get your own. This is mine. It almost sounds stingy. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. There was no knocking. I made that up, right? But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Anybody feel a bit scared? Truly, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. You know, the most powerful word in this, the, the, the verb that God is teaching us is here. It's the imperative, right? This is the action he's teaching. Not the other stuff, this. You ready? Therefore, keep watch. Keep watch. Because you do not know the hour or the day, you don't know it. How many people tell us they know it? No, 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 you don't know it. What does he tell us? Keep watch. Keep watch. I listened to a story recently. It was a story of Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Anybody watch them? Anyone a Sherlock fan? I've lost half of you this morning then. And I, I want to get it right because it's a great story. So basically they went camping together. And as whilst they were camping, they fell asleep. You might have heard this story. Some of you are nodding, right? You know it. You know where I'm going. Stick with me. Maybe there's something else in the story for you you didn't hear before. They, they go camping. And as they're camping, they fall asleep. And they wake up. And Sherlock, he nudges Watson. Watson, what do you see? And he looks up at the stars. He says, countless, endless, millions of stars. And he says, but what does that tell you? And he says, well, astrologically, there are millions of, of stars Maybe thousands of galaxies, maybe billions, billions of planets. He says, astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Hmm, he says. Theologically, wow, God is huge and I'm small and maybe insignificant compared to him. 
Meteorologically, I suspect that we will all have a beautiful day tomorrow. Watson then says, Sherlock, what do you think? He looks up and he says, somebody stole our tent. <laughs> somebody, it's an old story, but it works well within this. The point of the matter is this. We can all get elaborate about what this says in this scripture. We can all start to focus on the wonderful things that we think is going to happen at the end of the time. The trumpet sounds and all of that. We're missing the point. If we get into all that, we're missing the point. When is Jesus returning? How is he going to return? End times. How many people were into end times when it came COVID? Everybody had the answer. Donald Trump was the Antichrist. Oh, everybody. Everybody keeps telling us what it's going to be like and how it's happening. I don't have a problem with trying to see the time. I get that. But let us not miss the right point that Jesus is teaching. And the point is to stay awake. Awake. Not fall asleep. But stay awake in the end times. Stay awake in the difficulties. Stay awake in the uncertainty. Stop trying to second guess what's going to happen and do what Jesus says, which is keep watch. Because we can get lost in all the detail, all the magnificent things that people are telling you, and you think, oh, what is happening? And you forget what Jesus said. And what does Jesus say? This is what Jesus says watch out in the delay. Don't watch for the delay. Watch out in the delay. Are you with me? Otherwise, we get lost in our futuristic thinking. Here's the wisdom. Wise people expect or are prepared and keep their lamps burning. That's the point of the message. Now, this kind of language that we listen to here, it was Jewish common language within Jewish society. It was what we call apocalyptic language, language where God is going to appear in power. And the Jews were very good at using this language, especially in the first century. They loved it. So Jesus is using apocalyptic language. So they understood this straight away. For us, we don't get this the same because we're like, wow, this is a bit weird. He's turning, shutting doors. What's going on? The bridegroom is the image of God. It's in the Old Testament, they knew that God was like somebody who loved them covenantally and was committed to them for eternity. So when they start talking bridegroom, they know this is God. For us, we're like, bridegroom, does that, what does that mean to us? He's the one who is covenantally committed to you forever and will stay there and return for you. That's the bridegroom. And the, and the Jews understood this, so when he's talking this language, now the wedding thing, it's a bit odd, don't you think? I mean, how many bridegrooms turn up late? We do it the other way around, don't we? We like the bridegroom, you've got to be there. We're early, Tim says. We're watching, baby. This one's late. Sort him out. But in Jewish culture, it's slightly different. The bride would be ready, and the bridegroom would delay and in the delay, he would do two things. Number one, he wants to get them off. The, he wants to get them so they're not ready for him. It's a bit of a game. I'm going to turn up and they're not ready. The second thing he's going to do is going to turn up. and If he can, this is the height of his victory. I'm going to turn up when they've all fallen asleep. That was, that was Jewish wedding. It was a bit of a fun. There'd be a celebration. It could even be delayed for seven days. So for seven days, the celebrations would be happening, and we're all waiting for the bridegroom, the main man, to turn up. Sorry, ladies. It was the man. 
this is a Jewish culture. It's different. Are you with me? So for us, we read it and we go, it's a bit weird. But what God is trying to teach us is this. There's a delay. But in the delay, I ain't giving up on you. Even when you fall asleep, I'm not giving up on you. Even when you get it wrong, I'm not giving up on you. So what can we learn from this delay? Anybody good, at, anybody good in delays? Anybody been on a delay at the airport? Flipping ink, four hours. I remember having one with the kids, four hours. We had, these, we had these wonderful suitcases that they could ride on. Brilliant, pull them around everywhere. They were fine for half an hour. Two hours, not good. Four hours, not good. It was chaos. So I was like, will you pull them in? Will you pull them in? We're not good in delays. Anybody been cut up in a car? Like somebody pulls up. I mean, how long's your delay? Three seconds then? You've had three seconds taken off your life. How many people lose the plot in that delay? Got me delay back. Got it back. You lost three seconds. And you lost your head. Because you weren't good in the delay. I'm going to read 2 Peter 3, 8 to 9, because this is what Peter writes to help them in a delay. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Are you ready for it? With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Wow. So our mind is different than his mind, and how he operates in a delay. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. There you go. Why is he not returned? Why is it not happening? Why is the promise not coming? Because he's not slow in the promise in keeping it. Oh, okay, I didn't understand that. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, have you ever been delayed on an airplane? Very little do you think. Oh, the problem was there was a fault on the airplane and he was just making sure it was safe so when I got on the airplane. We don't think like that. We don't understand that there's a higher authority who's making sure we're okay. We, we, put it, we, we, we base it on our circumstances and what I want and how I'm feeling rather than understanding there's a bigger authority who's in charge. That I'm learning to trust in when the promise isn't yet fulfilled. Moses, he took a long time, 40 years. Jesus, guess how long he waits for ministry? 30 years. Okay, 30 years of preparation for the delay for when he's released into full-time ministry. But God is not slow in his delay. We've got to understand this. He's far wiser than us in the delay. So we've got to, what, what are we going to do? We've got to cling to him in the delay. We've got to cling to him, not just the promise, but him. Him, so that he changes us and transforms us. Now, there are some things we can learn from this, right, generally about the Jews and what Jesus was believing, what Jesus was teaching them, to stay awake. The bridegroom has come, right? But some of them missed it. He was talking to religious people. He was trying to teach the disciples that some of them miss it. They've missed the bridegroom coming. But there are some general things we can learn. Are you, are you ready? I'm going to give you the first one. What you notice in here is this. Certain things cannot be borrowed. You know, when I was a kid, we, I remember having our first TV, colour TV. We couldn't afford one. It was probably, back then, it was probably like a month's wages. My mum and dad couldn't afford one. So they went to a place called Radio Rentals. So if you've never heard of it, I do apologise. Radio Rentals was a place you could go and you could rent your TV or your radio. Radios, right? Google it, you'll find out what they are. Right, they, they went and rented one. And on the back of the TV, there was a black box. And what you did is in the black box, you put your 50p in the black box on the back of the TV. And you turn the knob and the TV, come on. Which was brilliant. It's like, wow, we've got a colour TV. We can afford one. We're putting the 50p in the back. And it was great until James Bond was halfway through. 
And it went, boom, here you go, boom. And you're like, power cut, no, just the TV. And mum would go, run round to your auntie. And there was about five aunties in the street who were never my aunties, by the way. Go round to Auntie Sue's, get 50p. And you'd run round, and you'd go, I need 50p, can I borrow 50 Yeah, and you'd run back, and you'd get it in, and you'd miss five, the most important part of the film. And you put your 50p on it, come back again. It was a brilliant idea, by the way. It was a saving scheme as well, that you saved money, and at the end you could, great idea. But here's the point. I could borrow 50p on that day, but there's a day when we can't borrow things. And there's some things you can't borrow. You cannot borrow a relationship with Jesus off somebody else. You cannot do it. You can't ride on the back of someone else's spirituality. It won't work. The lesson in this, Jesus, is this. He's not being mean. He's trying to teach us responsibility in life. He's trying to teach us about our own actions, our own behavior. And first of all, we have to deal with us. Don't blame anybody else. The wise could have gone, hey, sorry, the foolish could have gone, but he never gave me any oil. They never gave me any. I asked and they didn't give me what I wanted. They didn't give me a chance. They didn't give me an opportunity. They didn't give it me. And we remain as victims. Victim thinking, lack thinking, I don't have. Or you'll stay there in that delay. Take responsibility of your own choices and your own actions, Jesus is saying. Let's deal with you first. And then we'll deal with the share. Because if we deal with you, there won't be a problem with the sharing. There won't be a problem with the generosity. The overflow will come when we deal with you. But he wants to deal with us first. It's not just an individual lifestyle, though. It's a corporate lifestyle. But unless he deals with us and we take responsibility for our choices, our actions, our behavior, then we're not going to go anywhere in this growth. We're not going to see the promises fulfilled if, we don't, if he doesn't deal with us first. So certain things cannot be borrowed. Character cannot be borrowed. You can't go, hey, can I borrow your kindness? Hey, can I have a bit of your goodness? Can I have a bit of your generosity? Can I borrow it? No, no, no. Be generous. Be kind. Add goodness into your life. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to see that something starts to change in the delay. Watch that you don't become a victim in your delay. But you take responsibility. Certain things cannot be borrowed. You have to apply it yourself. Forgive people like he forgave you. Don't, don't try and borrow that. Put it into your life. Are you still with me? Certain things cannot be borrowed. Certain things cannot be obtained at the last minute. Are you hearing that? Jesus is saying it was too late for them. They didn't deal with, they didn't deal with this. They missed the bridegroom. They weren't watchful. You know, the Jews were criticized because many of the things they'd be given, they were, they were a light to the nations and they'd missed some of it. So Jesus comes in as a prophet to, to, to address Jewish people of their day. We're not to take that, by the way, and use that to preach against other people. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't even preach against the Jews. That's not our place. That's Jesus' place to deal with them. Are you hearing me? But the point of the matter is this. Some things can't be left until the last minute. Anybody done a test? Come on, who left it till the last minute? Who didn't pass the test? See, it proves, principle, don't leave it till the last minute. If you don't take anything else, take that one thing. Stop leaving things till the last minute. We're all masters at that. We've all mastered that degree or PhD in leaving things till the last minute. Anybody else got that one? Well, you don't admit it. You have. Don't leave it. Why? Because some things can't be obtained at the last minute. Salvation, be careful that you don't leave it to the last minute. 
This was a pharisaical discussion that they believed they could leave things till the last minute and sort it out then. Jesus is challenging them, you've left it too late. By the way, this isn't about salvation. This isn't about getting into knowing God. This is about living in the kingdom of God. This is about our behavior whilst we're in the kingdom, how we behave. So just be aware it's not that. But some things can't be obtained last minute. Once it's too late, it's too late. Oh, I wish I'd have done this. Just get on and do it, eh? Certain things cannot be obtained at the last minute. Third one is this. There's no lack in the waiting. Oh, I love this. Oh, if I just get there, then I'll get it and I'll have it all. Right? No, no, no. Listen, listen to what this says. 1 Corinthians 4 to 9. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, 4 to 9. I always thank my God, this is Paul, for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. The gift that's been given to you in Christ Jesus through faith, not by works. He says, for in him you have been enriched in every way. Don't you love that? You've been enriched, right, in every way. He says, with all kinds of speech. So this is their gifts. This is the carries, the gift that they've been given. And they're using the gift that they've been given. And they're seeing that there's power in it and things are happening. He says, thus God is confirming the testimony about Jesus is among you. So they're seeing that the gift of God, the power of God is among them. And he says this, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Yeah, but I'm just waiting for one day it'll be sorted. No, in the meantime, you're not lacking. You've got everything you need, baby. Don't, don't you listen to the lie that I don't have enough. Because that's what the the fools did. They lived with a black mentality. And that left them out. Or just enough. No, you have more than enough. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah, but when I get there, Paul, you'll understand. When I get the relationship, or I get the job, or I get the thing. No, in the meantime, live full. Live content. Be thankful what Jesus has done. This is about in faith in Christ, not by your performance. In Christ, what Jesus did for me, I receive. Now in Christ, I am fulfilled. In Christ, I am loved. In Christ, I have everything that I need. There is no lack in Christ. There is no lack. You're not lacking this morning. You may have a wrestle. You may have a struggle. You may have doubt. You may have disappointment. You may have pain. But in it, there's someone who doesn't want you to, who wants you to understand that you're not lacking in it. Luke 12, 35. He writes it like this, okay? Similar context story. He says, stay dressed for action. Put on your robe of righteousness, child of God. You get up every morning and say, I'm right with God. You get on your robe of praise, garment of praise. I'm going to praise him despite my difficulties because that's who he is. He's on the throne. I'm going to grow in the clothes that he's given me. I'm going to start to wear what's been purchased for me. I'm not going to leave them Where's Joe? in the wardrobe. I'm going to put them on. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, baby. Are you still with me? Got seven minutes. Right. Here's a great quote. Listen to this. Ready? This is from Bonhoeffer. Now, Bonhoeffer was a, a theologian during the start of the Second World War. And he was in a dark place because the church generally had succumbed to Hitler's ideas and had agreed with some of the way it was going. Bonhoeffer disagreed. He was a light in the darkness. He refused for his lamp to go out. He was on watch for what he believed. Even though majority was telling him other things, he's like, I'm going to keep my lamp burning. 
This is what he says. The cruel old man is dead. The cruel old man is dead. And we are married to a new, splendid and loving bridegroom. Can you imagine him in that day, seeing this cruel idea of what was going on? He said, that's not God. That's not who I believe God is. He's dead. That old idea that God is cruel and he's, he's dead, he's, that's gone. It wasn't even existing anyway. He says, we are married to another, even to him that arose from the dead, the lover and savior of men. And then he says this, and we cling. We cling closer to him. Whenever the old, evil, self, life appears. Bonhoeffer knew there was an old man, an old cruel man in each of us. But that one had to die. And he had a choice. What do I do? Do I, do I operate out of the selfish one or do I operate out of the new one? I'm going to operate out of the new one. I'm loved today. Yeah, but life's treating me like this. It wasn't very nice and I feel not good. Yeah, but I'm going to, I'm going to cling to the new one. I'm going to cling to what he says about me. He's my passion. He's my life. And Bonhoeffer stood. And do you know what happened to him? He was, he was killed. He was executed as a testimony to us today. That he was not willing to succumb to that darkness. But he was willing to stand as a light in his generation. So how do we do this? Here are a few things I want us to finish was, which I feel are the important things for us to understand. The number one lesson is this. God's love is greater than the delay. What's going to get you through your delay? God's love. What's going to help you to overcome your situation? God's love. What's going to get you through your disappointment, your pain, your hurt, your rejection? God's love. Why? Because it's greater. It's greater. It goes deeper. It's a deeper well. It's, a, it's got more oil in it than anything in this world can offer it's a greater depth that is available for each one of us. God's love is greater than the delay. There's a story, a Greek myth. It's Ulysses when he's, he's traveling on a voyage and he passes the siren sisters. You know the ones who entice you with the songs. They entice you in with the songs. And they get pulled in every voyage and they get pulled onto the rocks and they crash. Yet Ulysses, when he takes his sailors, he fastens them down. He binds them so that they're not pulled into the waters. And he finds that it kind of works, but then Orpheus, he goes on the same voyage. Some of you have heard this. He goes on the same voyage, but he does not take ropes to bind down his sailors. What he does, he has a different song on the boat. And it's a sweeter song that's on the outside. It's a more powerful song than what's been pulled from the world that they're in. And the point of the matter is this. God does not fasten you down to do things. He's not religious who says you need to do this otherwise. He just loves you and then loving you, you say, I want to do this. I want to do this. I remember coming to a prayer meeting probably about 12 years ago and I almost felt like I was obligated to, to, to come. And, you know, that's, that's my choice. It was maybe part of what I was under or whatever, but it's still my choice. I take responsibility. I'm not a victim. I don't blame people. Hear my heart. I remember coming to a prayer meeting as I drove down. I sat here, sat on the front of the stage. I was like, I don't really want to be here today. Anybody had one of those moments? 
I'm here because I've got to be here. You know, God binds me to the boat, to the church, and I'm here. And I don't want to be here. Anybody felt like that? I'm staying out of the world, so I'm bound to the boat. And I'm here at church, and I'm sitting here, and I'm on my own. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. There you go. There's a, there's, look how spiritual I am, Badge, right? I'm 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm here. I'm doing it. And I sit here, and I hear God whisper to me. He just said, you don't have to be here, Paul. Now, if I created a doctrine of belief off that, we'd have no one here. Oh, we don't have to be here. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be here, man. God's told me. I don't have to come to church. I'm off. But then he whispered something else to me, which completely revolutionized how I was seeing the prayer. He said, but I'd love you to spend time with me. He was not binding me. There was a sweeter sound on the boat. There was a sweeter sound on the boat. I want to be in the boat. I'm at the boat. I'm on the boat. I'm rowing on the boat because there's a sweeter sound on my boat. His name is Jesus. And you can't make me stay here. I'm here because of his sound. I'm here because of the sweetness of Jesus that died for me, that gave his blood for me. And I want to know this love that God goes deeper and deeper and deeper into my pain, my disappointment. I want to be on the boat. You don't have to be here. Honestly, the, the, the liberation was like, well, I don't have to come. I was free. The ropes were off. But I'd love you to spend time with me. Relationship. Wow. I want to be with you, Jesus. The last couple of points, trying to squeeze us in. God's love equips us for service. That's the purpose of it. The purpose of Jesus' message is to do good works. You know, sometimes, and Bonhoeffer, if you read Bonhoeffer, he hits this thing called cheap grace. That God has given us a grace and we're forgiven. Now we're saved by faith, which, you know, is, 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 a, is a really good, strong thing. We, we, don't earn our, we don't earn our righteousness by our works. But if we're not careful, we remove our works out of the way because we don't think we've got to do it. And that's cheap grace. True grace should empower you to go and do good works. Otherwise, what are we doing? What's the point? I'm saved by faith. Yeah, but you're saved for a purpose to go and do good works. But not out of religion, not out of being bound, but because of the love that he has for people. I love the wheelchair thing. I felt the Father's heart speak to me and say, I was like, what am I going to do with these people that are crawling around on the dirt? I felt his heart and his love. And it didn't bind me to say, oh, I've got to go and do that. I was like, I want to do it. Because he wants it done and I want to do what he wants to do. It equips us, God's love equips us for service. You know, there's a story of a king, King Tigranes, I think his name was. Forgive me if I pronounced it wrong. He was known as a great king. He was actually known as a king of kings. And his wife had to go to the palace of Alexandria, the pavilion. Now, the pavilion of Alexandria was a really, really ornate. You know, it was robed in wonderful furniture, gold everywhere. And she was sent in where her husband was. And while she's in there, she looks around and she comes back out. And the people say to her, hey, what was it like? What was the pavilion like? And she said, I, ha I had no eyes. They're like, what do you mean? She said, I had no eyes apart from the one who was my husband, who's just chosen to give his life so that I can be set free. See, she could have seen all of the stuff, but she didn't. She had her eyes on a husband who was willing to sacrifice his life 
for her so she could be released. That's the husband that we have, church. That's the one that we have that gave everything. He gave up the riches of the world. He gave up all power. Now, you want to know how valuable you are this morning? Look around at the riches of the world. And just think, Jesus could have chose all of the riches, all of the Bentleys, all of the Mercedes, all of everything that's in the world. He could have chosen that as his reward, but he didn't. He says, there's something more valuable that I love. And that is you. That is you. He, was, he, he had his eyes on you. The bridegroom was coming. He was looking for the ones that he loved. And he was willing to sacrifice his life as the husband who lays the life down for his wife. Why? Because he loves you, church. He loves you. The message is this, right? This is the message of the gospel. The bridegroom has come to you. Do you believe that this morning? The bridegroom has come to you. Now, if you will believe that, when you are waiting in your delay, in your challenge, in your difficulty, if you think that the bridegroom is delayed and he's not coming, you, you, you may sit there and think, God isn't with me. But if you believe that the bridegroom has come, in your situation, guess what's going to happen? The bridegroom's going to appear to you. The, the wisdom's going to come to you. The solution's going to come to you. The, the expectation now is rising because the bridegroom has come. And if he's come, he's coming to my pain. If he's come, he's coming to my rejection. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Are you hearing it? So you've got to anticipate and expect that the bridegroom hasn't just come, but he's come to you. And if he's come to you, he's going to work in you and through you to do good works. But if you think, oh, I'm just waiting for it all to be put right. No, no, there is no lack in the waiting. God is filling me with love and changing me so that I can love others like the way he's loved me. God has come for you. We have to get this individually. The bridegroom has come for us first. And I know he's come for us and you know he's come for whole of creation, but, all right, but he's also come for you. And we have to understand our identity in Christ that God loved us. You know, there's a, we're still okay. A few more minutes, is that okay? Checking dinner's still on, it's okay. There's a, there's a story about a, a lady. She grew up in primary school not really enjoying mathematics. Anybody who doesn't like maths, you get what this feels like, right? Or any, anybody who doesn't like English. I, I really struggled with English. I hated it to the point. Now this girl, she grows up, she doesn't like maths. She really doesn't like maths. Goes to high school, she starts to despise the thing, right? It's simultaneous equations, what are them about? Who invented them? What's the point? Anybody use one yet? Put your hand up. Yeah, I know you've used well, You use them, Baz, at work, right? But how many of us out of all of this population here use similar saying, right? You get what I'm saying? She hated maths. She goes to university, guess what she chooses? Not maths. Yet, what happens is, while she's at university, she falls in love with a young man. He's the finest mathematician in the university. Like, the finest at Oxford University. He's the best at the best. Guess what happens? She starts to change. Her attitude towards the subject changes. The attitude to what she hates, she now begins to appreciate. She starts to love 
Why? Because of this person that she loved is beginning to change her. We can love our enemies. Why? Because the finest mathematician has come. When it didn't make sense, he made it make sense. When it didn't add up, he solved the problem. He came to take away, take away, take away, take away your sins. He didn't come to divide. He came to share what he had for you. This is cheesy, I know, but it's making the point. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We got the finest mathematician, church. Why not go to him? He's the finest mathematician. As we go to him, guess what he does? He changes our attitude towards things. He changes our attitude towards the cruel man that tells us we're not good enough. He changes our attitude towards our enemies. He changes our attitude towards things that we didn't used to like. Now we start to change. Why? Because the love is greater than our enemies. But it comes when we fall in love. It comes when our eyes are fixed on him. And sometimes the delay, what can happen is we get disappointed in the delay because we're focused on the circumstances rather than on the one who's in in it with us in the delay. And I want to encourage you, whatever delay you've got right now, maybe it's the big delay of Jesus returning. Keep watching, keep your eyes on Jesus. The bridegroom has come, has he not? Maybe you're here this morning, you don't know that the bridegroom has come, or you can receive the love of God. It was given to you by Jesus Christ, who died for you for the forgiveness of your sin. You can't let anybody else do that for you. You have to receive it personally into your life. He offers, uh, he offers to take away and remove your sin, to make you right with God. If you're here, come and speak to me after. I'd love to pray with you. But my final point is this for us to go forward. And this is the whole point of this chapter. Remain faithful. Remain faithful to the new as you navigate the delay. Remain faithful. That's all he asks us to do. Remain faithful with what I've given you. Remain faithful with the time you've been given. Remain faithful. Everything else bears insignificance. As long as you're remaining faithful to the one who's loved you. The bridegroom has come, has he not? Do you believe that this morning? Anybody expecting the bridegroom to come to you? Few people. Anybody expecting? Because if we're not walking in faith, are we going to actually see him? Is God going to use you to minister to people if we're not believing that the bridegroom has come? He's come and he's coming. He's returning and he's coming for his bride. And his bride is spotless. So let's get ready. Let's be the bride and be ready for when he returns. Come on, let's stand. You know, we have a fine mathematician, do we not? He is not just a fine mathematician, but he's the finest mathematician. And he helps things to make sense when they don't make sense to us. He's the problem solver. He understands simultaneous equations more than you understand simultaneous equations. But sometimes we get lost in the delay because we wonder where he is. I want to encourage you right now as we sing this song. It's a song singing about the same God. It's a song singing about a God who was with Abraham, he was with Jacob, he was all of that generation. But he's not only the God who was with them, he's the bridegroom who's come to us as well, as he not? And I want you to sing this song now and come to him this morning, tell him how much you love him. And I'm believing God's going to minister to you this morning. He's going to fill you afresh maybe. Maybe some things are going to start to make sense that didn't make sense before because the bridegroom has come. He's the lover of our soul. He sacrificed his blood for you this morning and he wants you to know that he's come today. We're not waiting for him to come.
is already come. So Jesus, we come to you this morning. We want to acknowledge that you were the bridegroom. You did not abandon us, but you came. We didn't deserve you, but you came. You dealt with the old cruel man. You broke its powers in our lives so that we could know the new lover of our soul. And Father, I pray this morning for each of us, we would be reminded again that we are children of God first and foremost, that we are loved by you. And no matter what's happening, Father, help us in our delay to rest in your peace, your love. And Father, I pray for each one of us as we go from here, that we would be reminded of the things that you've asked us to do and we would do them, that we would begin to add good things into our lives so that our faith would grow and mature and bring honor and glory for you. Father, I pray for lights that have gone out in here, that you would begin to ignite them. You would begin to bring a fresh power, fresh, fresh passion in people's hearts for the things of you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen.